Hey guys, thanks for listening to this MC Podcast Extra. We really appreciate it. Alright, so we went around this morning. We looked at flood water. So, it's really fun for us when we get to film, you know, cool stuff like planting and burn down and equipment rolling over fields and, and highly productive events. Uh, but this week there are no highly productive events. We're just sitting around watching it rain. So, uh, we're just going to sit around and talk for a little bit uh, as we talk about kind of this catastrophe and all this high water and all the rain, um, you know, keeping in mind that there are things that play bigger than just corn crop. So first off, let's not undersell the magnitude of, of what's happened across the Midwest here in the last week. I mean, you know, and we're going to we're going to talk about the agricultural fallouts of this, um, but there are a lot of people dealing with things much bigger than just agricultural Absolutely, issues. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people have lost their homes, lost their possessions. Um, a lot of farm damage has, has happened, um, you know, so major, major events, and so, it's, it's so affecting I don't, big areas. Yeah, I don't think people realize some of the extent that, it, that it's at. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of acres of farmlands for a farmer that are completely wiped out. I mean, it, it may be loaded with sand now. You may you may have taken corn that was 250 average corn there that, that for the rest of their life, they may get 140 off of it now. So so it's not just the, it's not just they'll lose a few plants here or there. There, there are major issues that come along with this. Yeah, so, you know, and there are, there are long stretching uh, consequences of these floods and, and we won't dive off into that, but what, what we what we want to look at is uh, year to year. How do you how do you make these decisions on when to plant? What do you do if you if you're flooded out? Things like that. But uh, so so for us, and, and I'd say for a lot of the Midwest, but specifically us where we're at, this has happened twice in the last three years. So you already had guys that were giddy to get corn in early. Um, what what advice would you guys have to those people <laughs> next year who have dealt with? flooding and likely you know significant flooding two of the last three years should that affect how they go in next year you have you have to treat every year this i mean completely different you can't assume that just because it's rained last year and or the last two years my you know to what was it 2012 was the exact opposite problem i think that farmers can tend to make a big mistake when they try to predict the future um, even though they're going to do their best, they can only react to whatever it is um, and be ready to go. And then just the weather's going to do what it's going to do. So no, I don't think you know you can you can think. I think you can't overthink it for sure. So when it's time, so when the conditions are ready to plant, plant. Don't go in early just because you're afraid that it's going to flood. You know because. Yeah. If you have a, if there's a farmer out there that has a magic formula, we would we would really like to have it. Call if him you in. if you can predict it, we would we would really like to have that. That's so. Toby at seedcorn.com. <laughs> well, obviously we're trying to beat we're trying to beat some of the summer heat and the potential drought by getting it in early to get that pollination over early enough so that we get a complete pollen get a complete pollen uh, shed and get a good ear fill. Um, but when we when we rush the gun and when we're putting seed in, in wet heavy uh, soil and and uh, in compacted soil and compacting that furrow, um, and we're not doing ourselves any favors. And uh, this year was uh, was just a, a, a nasty reminder of that again. Last year was this kind of the same thing. We we got some corn in early, but boy, it sure suffered. Uh, so what we're sitting at right now is we're sitting in saturated fields, you know, and just depending on where that where that uh, kernel was in terms of its 
of its um, germination and emergence is whether it's whether it made it or not. And a lot of a lot of these saturated fields, these kernels are in the ground and they're really soft. And unless that root gets a chance to establish itself before, you know, uh, you can you completely uh, wash it out, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's not going to make it. So um, everybody's checking fields right now. We're doing production corn in southern Illinois, by the way. Uh, talked with Jerry this morning and. And we're we're off. We've lost some pop, but we're still our final stands are on our on our production fields in Southern Illinois are coming in in that twenty eight to thirty thousand range, which is acceptable for us for sure. Uh, glad to get it. Corn's up. It's just sitting there, but all this corn's just going to sit there until it gets heat. Yep. So all right. So talking about plant stands, at what point, you know, does a guy need to start thinking about replant? At what point, you know? I know we're getting later into the year, so it's less desirable to plant, but at what point do we cross the threshold where replant is the option? So, you know, we are we're the first week of May, um, so depending on where you're at uh, regionally, uh, you still got quite a bit of time to get things uh, in and get back on track. Um, you know, and, and some of that replant's gonna come down to how much have you lost? You know, can you go back in and spot in places in the field without tearing everything up um, you know the the biggest decision is am I going to go in here and tear everything out and start over um, you know and um, you know you, you really want to have significant loss uh, before you you go to that extreme measure before you're going to completely replant a field um, you know we use a lot of flex varieties you know so if I lose you know if, so if I go out and I plant 32,000 um, you know, and if it looks like my average is going to be that 27, 28, maybe even 26, most of the time a flex hybrid is going to overcome that. And, you know, I'm, I'm better off just letting that, that corn crop grow and do its thing, uh, letting that genetic flex. Um, you know, but, uh, but if, if I'm getting significantly lower than that, you know, if I'm talking low 20s or less for a stand, then I might want to think about either spotting in or starting over. So what's the the economic <coughs> threshold that that it makes sense to do that at? Because as a farmer growing up, ours was fifty percent. So we said we said somewhere around that fifty percent mark that that's when we really started considering wiping everything out and starting over. And and you mentioned spot, but there there are lots of times that it does more more damage than than you necessarily make up. So. Yeah, yeah. It just depends on depends on how how big your your losses are and how big your spots are. Can you get to them and get them planted without damaging? And and how much is that split? So how far along is that corn? You know, um, so much so much of your yields determined prior to that V four stage and keeping that those corn plants all growing consistently, throwing pollen at the same time, silking at the t same time. All that's really critical to maximizing your yield potential. So if, uh, if all of a sudden I've got corn plants that are here and I'm going in and, and planting more, now I've, I've thrown all kinds of variation in my field, um, you know, and there are times that we can't avoid that, uh, but that's gonna limit my, my yield potential if all my corn crop's not coming along at the same time. My experience has always been if we're coming in and we're trying to thicken a thin stand by coming into that row where you've got partial emergence, that's never worked out very well for me. Now I know that I, may, I maybe it has 100%. for some folks, but it's never worked out very well for me. Now ponded out spots in the field, you know, where we've had water standing and we're washed out and we come in later, 
you know, um, as long as we're not talking about a huge variation where we can harvest, you know, at the same time, we go in and replant those ponded out areas and that kind of thing. But uh, I've never had luck uh, trying to thicken a, a thin standard and just dropping the planter in the, in the furrow. You know, a, a lot of these a lot of these decisions really come down. It's a field by field decision. Um, you know, so depending on what your ground's like, if you're down here on the river and you got really sandy stuff, it's going to turn around. It's going to dry fast. You'll have an opportunity to get back in there. Uh, if you're talking about some of this this uh, this heavy clay stuff, you know that that takes forever to dry out and then crusts over the top. Um, you know, totally different ball game. So you, so you really have to make your decision based on each specific field you know it, it's it's hard to make general statements about what's going to work because it it varies so much by soil type so so is there some merit to to switching crops i mean is there some merit to to saying i was going to plant corn and now i'm going to do soybeans or now i'm going to put a cr cover crop on or is that i mean is there some merit to that decision i think there's definitely some merit to it if you can make it work economically the hard part i think is more of the guys that don't have an option you know our silage guys right you know um, or if uh, we've already put down herbicide, it's not going right, to work. Herbicide or, you know, agreed. The, uh, the end use is, should be at least a little bit of a factor in determining whether you're going to have to replant or not, too. Um, you know, the, for, for a grain guy, obviously, if they don't get enough grain, that's a bad. But for, for a dairy guy, you don't get enough food <laughs> for your cows, it could be really bad. Good point. You know, and, and, and Kevin made alluded to uh, a lot of you know some flex hybrids and then and we've got a lot more flex hybrids in our lineup than the industry does you know when you were growing up there was a lot more flex corn than there is today yeah. most of the corn hybrids that are out there today are are, are uh, pretty fixed pretty pretty uh, determined. pretty determined ear and and not only that a lot of our a lot of our customers are silage customers and when you think flex you think maybe that you know that that ear flex or maybe double ear and and as being a possibility for grain but on silage, we don't talk much about the about the stalk flexing, and and we have all seen we've all seen fields where the stands were thinned out a little bit, and the stalk gets as gets as big around as that coffee uh, mug of yours, and and uh, and, and really kind of helps make up yield in the silage with the fodder as well as the, as that ear flexing. So yeah, and and let's don't forget that uh, population is directly correlated with uh, with. Feeding quality, you know. So anytime we back off of our population, we get more flex. We get better, uh, better digestibility out of our feed stuff. You That's know? right. So, so that 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 is always a factor when we're we're looking at what our plant stands are. One of the things that we really like to see with yield, you know, is is we like to see a real even emergence. You know, we want that we want that we want that uh, planting conditions to be excellent. We want that soil condition to be perfect. We want seed placement to be perfect so we get equal emergence so that we've got. We've got a, a really nice stand of, of let's let's just say for our our, our sake of, of our hybrids a thirty thousand pop stand on thirty inch rows you know with with everything up and equal and all of those robust robust uh, looking plants instead of some robust looking plants and some you know um, mediocre plants um, and, and a lot of that's from you know delayed emergence and we're going to have a lot of that this year. And it's gonna it's gonna affect our quality as well mm -hmm. when we go to harvest. So is it fair to say, from a replanting standpoint, that w that we're not scared of low populations as much as we are consistency? I think that some of that is is hybrid specific. You know, Kevin, back to back to your comment. You know, MC five ninety. I mean, I I know back from you know uh, John Rucker was a plant breeder that that helped develop uh, MC five ninety, and it. it 
590 has been in our lineup since the period of time that Paul and I have owned the company. And, and, and an interesting thing, you know, that we, all of us may not know is that 590 was designed to be planted at those really low pops in some arid conditions. You know, it was really, it was really kind of looking at that southwest Missouri market, and they were looking at planting corn on 30-inch rows at 22 to 24,000 pop. And so, you know, that thing's been designed to flex. 535 was designed to be, you know, planted in a little bit northern, a little bit more northern climate at that 105 to 7-day range. But likewise, it was designed to be planted in a a little more arid climate where you cut the pops down, make it a little more disease and, and, uh, and uh, um, drought tolerant, and uh, right. it'll yield at those lower pops. All right, so as we kind of wrap it up, put a bow on it, um, what's, what's the biggest kind of takeaway or advice you could give to some of these guys that are struggling right now? What's the, what's the message you would leave them with? I think the biggest thing is just to not get overly excited yet I, I know I get it this is your livelihood and this is how you make your living um, and I'm not minimizing that at all but I've seen more mistakes happen from guys overreacting than sometimes what can be what from what damage can happen from rain or flooding or whatever because in the day you can't change any of it so the biggest thing my biggest mistake you can make is is rushing out there stay the course yeah you're right you know and um you know, when, when we're talking about flooding, you know, what can you do? You know, the, the guy that's flooded out, he's flooded out. There's not a whole lot you can do. Something that, that most everybody can take away from this. So whether you've been flooded out or not, you've probably had an excessive amount of rain. Make sure you got enough nitrogen out there. Um, getting getting back in and side dressing this, this corn um, is going to be very critical. Um, you know, we talked about so much that yields determined at this, this seedling stages. Uh, so anything we can do to spoon feed that crop and, and make sure that it, it gets a good jump so that everything's coming consistent and like it's supposed to is going to increase our yield and increase our quality. A lot of our pre-emerge herbicides, too, treat the same way. Yep. I mean, they're not going to be as effective for as long. Uh, you know, not much of the growing season, a little corn, even if it's out of the ground, isn't, you know, isn't, isn't going to get to shade the row very quickly. And, your, and our pre-plant herbicides or our pre-emerge herbicides um, are going to be are going to be gone quickly especially conventional guys that don't have that option of coming back with glyphosate if all of a sudden something gets away from you make sure you're staying ahead of that that's right so my takeaway would be something that we've been pushing for a long time now and that would be don't try to plan for these things okay so have a solid cropping plan that you're going to stick to every single year and don't try to plan for these things because you just can't so, uh, so, so get with your seedmen, have a good cropping plan, and, and try to uh, fulfill that plan.